Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Who's excited to be at church on Vision Sunday? Ah, that's... I knew there was a reason why I liked the 11 o'clock crowd better than the other ones. But. So some of you are thinking, Vision, what, what in the world is Vision Sunday? I'm glad you asked me that because I'm going to tell you. Vision Sunday is where we set aside some time to talk about who we are, um, where we are, where we're going, but more importantly, how we're going to get there. Solomon, wisest man who ever lived, the Bible tells us, said in Proverbs 29, 18, he said, if people can't see what God is doing, if there's no clarity in your life, right, about what God's doing in your life. They stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, in other words, when you begin to see that, you know, God's got a plan and purpose for your life and he wants to be a part of your life, they are most blessed. They are most blessed. See, we don't want you stumbling your way through life. We want you to live a a blessed, happy, and fulfilled life. Any takers? Any takers on a blessed, happy, and fulfilled life? Three of you. Three of you want to live a, okay, all right. The life has, this is the life that God has for you. And, 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 and you need to understand this. We as a church are better at pursuing our vision when you individually are pursuing your vision because God's got a personal vision for you as well. He has a vision for his church, for family church, but he also has a vision for you as well. Now, let me tell you something that some people um, kind of get fused about, con- confused about what uh, the difference between vision and mission. So I'm, I'm gonna kind of... Uh, uh, Bottom line it here for you. Vision uh, is, is, is where, you know, you're wanting to go. Mission is how we're going to get there, okay? So our vision, here's our vision at Family Church, that all people would take their next step towards Jesus. That's our vision. We want everyone to take their next step towards Jesus. And every, here's the thing, everyone has a next step. Even people who don't know God, that's their next step, you know, for them to come to know God. So our vision is that, that everyone, that all people would take their next step towards Jesus. Our mission, all right, how we're going to get there is by being the easiest place for people to experience the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We want to be a place where unchurched or de-churched people, especially those who maybe were hurt by the church in, in some way in the past, we want to create an environment where they would feel welcome and maybe, maybe give God a second chance or maybe a first chance, whatever the, the case may be. This is why we do what we do here on, on Sunday mornings. Now, as far as how that applies to you individually, the Apostle Paul, I think, summarized it best in one of his letters to the church at Ephesus. In Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 17, the Apostle Paul says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools but like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity. And I'm going to come back to that word. Every opportunity in these evil days, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So the apostle warns us against living foolishly and encourages us to live wisely. But I want you to notice how he defines wise living. He says, by making the most of our opportunities while living in this evil world. That word opportunity, it's an interesting word. In the Greek language, they actually had two words for our English word time. One of those was chronos, the transliteration K-R-O-N-S or English C-H-R-O-N-S, from which we get our word chronology or chronological. And and that's just like a specific 
time set aside, like when you go to, how many of you have jobs? Yeah, you go to work, you know, from this time to this time. You know, that, that's your chronological time. If, you're in, if you go to school, then you go to, you go to school between these hours and these hours. That, that, that's kind of what chronos is. But the Greeks had another word for time that was kairos, and the, the, the transliteration is K-A-I-R-O-S. This refers to an undetermined amount of time. And it was used, here, here's what's cool about it. It was used to describe a period of time when something special took place or is taking place. In other words, so put that in the context of what Paul says here in this verse in Ephesians, and here's what he's saying. God looks down on this messed up world and says, because the days are so evil, watch this, he said, I'm going to create a kairos, an opportunity, a special moment in time for my church to do what I've called it to do. And I'm telling you folks, family church is in a kairos moment right now. We have been for the last two to three years. God needs us, needs family church to be a church in motion, a church that will step up and seize the the Kairos moment. And the way that we do that at family church is through what we call our growth track. And our growth track consists of four words, four verbs, four action words that call you to action. And the first verb is follow, follow. This is where you know God. We want you to know God. And the way we get to know God is by following him. As in when Jesus said, follow me. See, that's where life change happens when you begin to follow him. It's not just believing in him. A lot of people believe in, in, in God and believe in Jesus. The Bible says even the devil believes in God. Last I heard, he ain't going to heaven. So if it's not believing. It's, not the, it's the following. In fact, Jesus said twice he told people to believe in him. 22 times he said, follow me, follow me. Derek Grettencord is going to be getting baptized here in a little bit. And I sat down with Derek this past week, and I wanted to listen to some of his story. Um, I didn't know Derek before he started coming to church here, but I had talked to some mutual friends of his who had informed me that uh, there was a time in his life when he was, a very, he was in a very dark, very dark place. I'm not going to share his whole story because it's his story to, to tell, but I've encouraged him to do that, and hopefully he will sometime here soon. But as he was telling me about his journey, I, I was struck by the similarities between his journey and, and mine. He grew up in, in, in the church. It was a Catholic church. I didn't grow up in the Catholic church, but I, I did grow up in, in a Southern Baptist church. But there came a point where, you know, due to different things, you know, you kind of become, um, I don't know, discouraged with the church or you just kind of gradually begin to fall away. And uh, for him, he said, you know, he came to a point where he realized, it just, he, he was just thinking about it didn't make a whole lot of sense for him, you know, to confess his sins to another guy. You know, and it was all good. But th- there were other things involved in that as well. But he said by the time he was 30, he, what little connection he had with God and the church was completely gone. He completely walked away from it. He ended up getting married. Marriage only lasted six years, long enough to have a couple of sons. Along the way, he got caught up in, in some life-controlling issues. He became an addict. Eventually lost his marriage and his sons. Spent the next decade of his life bouncing back and forth between Oxycontin and meth. Found himself in a very, very, very dark place. You know, last week I talked about how Mike Holtwick was able to compensate for his alcoholism by becoming a highly functioning alcoholic. Derek became a high, pardon the pun, functioning drug addict. 
That's how he was able to keep his job during that dark time of his life. But because he was living in a fog at the time, he said any, any money that he wasn't spending on meth or pills, he was spending at the casinos. And he said, he said, Curtis, he said, for every weekend, for 10 years, every weekend, I was at the casinos. Every weekend for 10 years. He said, looking back, you know, now he can't believe how reckless his life has become. And the thing is, he said, all along, I knew I wasn't where I should be. He knew it. He just didn't know how to climb out of that hole. And see, that's the thing about addicts. They usually know better. They just don't have the power to get out of it. They don't know what to do. Derek's, do you want to be well question came when Shelton Brightup invited him to family church once. Derek took him up on his invitation. And since coming here, Derek's committed his life to the Lord. And in his own words, in his own words, he said, my mind is clear and I'm happier than I've been in 15 years. In 15 years. But as he was sharing a story with me, every time, every time he would mention his son's There was always a pause, a painful pause, caused by the regret of not being there for his boys during that time of his life, of their lives, when they, a boys, boys really need a, a father. And I was so moved by that, just the regret of that. And I told him, I said, you know, Derek, you can't get back those lost years, but you know what? You can start from this day forward. Because we serve a God of second chances. In fact, you're sitting next to people who have had a second, third, fourth, fifth, 70 times seven chance. Derek said, now he's spending more time with his sons and, and this is where his eyes really lit up, and his new grandson. He said, since coming to family church, he feels like God's been like dropping things into his lap as he's beginning to pray and read his Bible and you know, we always say here that following God won't only make your life better, it'll make you better at life because at Family Church, we're all about changed lives. And right after the 11 o'clock service, Derek and a few others are going to be going public with their faith by being water baptized. In fact, Derek told me uh, before the, the last service, he said, man, I was so excited. I, I, can't even, I couldn't sleep last night. I couldn't sleep last night. If you've been coming to family church for very long, you know that water baptisms are, are big days for us. These are party days for us. The Bible says that when any, anytime someone comes to faith, the angels in heaven celebrate. Anytime someone goes public with their faith, we party down here too. So that's what we do. We make water baptisms a party time because that's what God would want us to do. You know, in thinking about our water baptism service, I was struck by the wide range, the spectrum of, of, of people that we're going to be baptizing today. Sue and I were talking about this yesterday. On one end of the spectrum, you have sweet, innocent, cuter than a bug's ear, seven-year-old Rylan, who helps mom and dad out on the farm. And then at the other end of the spectrum, we've got Stoney. Stoney, yeah. And if you don't know who Stoney is, that just shows you you're not from Wellsville. Let me put it this way, and I told him I was going to talk about him. But let me put it this way. I think Scotty Hutchison is going to have to relinquish his title as Family Church's most notorious sinner <laughs> after today, now that Stoney's coming. I'm just kidding. 
Jim, I'm glad for you. I really am. I'm glad. Let's give Jim a hand for being willing to do that. That. I, I am not kidding. I, Sue and I were talking about this. In 35 years of pastoring here, this is no lie. In 35, there has never been more buzz about someone getting water baptized than when Jim Stonequist made the decision to get water baptized. I had people texting me, calling, is Stoney really getting water baptized? Come and see. Come and see. Follow. Follow. The second action word of our growth track is connect. Find freedom. It is a fact that the more connected you are to the body of Christ, the better off your life's going to be. Solomon, again, the wisest man who ever lived, put it this way in Ecclesiastes 4.12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer, and three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Literal translation, we're better together. We are better together. We've all seen the National Geographic uh, clips where, you know, you got four or five hyenas trying to attack this herd of wildebeest. They're no match for 100 wildebeest. So what do they do? They, they try to isolate one. They look for the sickly one, the lonely one, the one that doesn't realize that the herd's moved away from it. And then they pick it off. Folks, I'm telling you, that's exactly how the devil operates. He'll, he'll try to pick you off. You find yourself alone. That's why, that's why it is so important to get plugged in. You will get picked off. Saying, well, pastor, you're kind of being a little negative there. Can't you be a little more positive? Yes, I can. I'm positive you're going to get picked off <laughs> if you don't get plugged in to a growth group. That's just how it works. That's just how it works. We promote our growth groups a lot. Maybe you get sick and tired of hearing us talk about it, but, but they are so important to your spiritual life. They play a huge role. In, in, in the step of spiritual maturity. We offer them in, in the fall and the spring. Um, and this, this past, this spring, in fact, we've had about 176 people uh, join our growth groups, which sounds good. But honestly, with the size of our church, it should be bigger than that. We should have quite a few more people being a part of our growth group. So I want to encourage you to, if you have not joined with one of our growth groups, consider doing so. If we're going to be the generation that recognizes this kairos, this, this special moment in time, this window of opportunity that God has put before us, it begins by accepting Jesus' invitation to follow me, followed by getting connected to a network of spiritual support and accountability. accountability. And the third thing that I'm encouraging you to do is discover. That's the third word, discover. Discover your purpose. Discover why in the world that you were created in the first place. The psalmist in Psalm 139 says this, you made, talking about God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. While you were still in your mama's womb, God was working on you. Do you understand that? God was working on you. That's how intentional you are. Verse 16, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out. Think about that. All the days of your life laid out for you in a book, and it's in God's library. That's amazing. You weren't an accident. You were intentionally woven together by your creator, God. Mark Twain said the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. You, me, we were all born to make a difference. Follow, connect, discover. And then the fourth action word is serve. Serve, make a difference. See, this is the verb that brings the most joy because when you do something for someone else, it makes a difference. 
It makes, when you do something for someone else's life, it actually changes you as well because your life will only be as successful as the cause that you attach it to. There's such a sense of fulfillment and joy when you know that you made a difference in someone else's life. And if you don't believe me, talk to anyone who serves on any one of our dream teams. They'll tell you, I referenced Monty last week, highly successful businessman of all the positions he's held. And he's held quite a few prestigious ones. He said he gets the most joy and excitement coming here on Sunday mornings and greeting you standing outside that door. There's fulfillment that comes from that. The happiest people on the planet are those who are doing something that makes a difference in someone else's life. First Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And we have plenty of opportunities to serve here at Family Church. We call them our dream teams. We call them our dream teams. We have our first impressions team, and that's the group that, that meets you when you pull up to the church. And Lori does an amazing job of leading what is probably, arguably, our, our largest dream team in terms of numbers. See, these are the ones that stand out there each week, greet you with a smiling face. And honestly, it doesn't seem like much, but their role is huge. That, that's, that's a huge role. Here's why. Statistics tell us that most people make up their mind whether or not they're going to come back to a church before they ever step inside the church. That is a fact. People make up their mind that they're going to come back for a second visit before they ever step, ever step inside the church. And so that's why we want people out there to greet you, make you feel welcome with a smile on their face, right? With a smile on their face, let you know that you are welcome. We, we, in fact, we, we make it a point that a first-time visitor will have no less than five touches before they come into this auditorium. Between the parking lot the coffee, the foyer coming in here, we want, we want them to be greeted five different times by a smiling face and people telling them, so glad that you're here this morning. And you know what? It works. And here's how I know it works. When you read the reviews of our church, 90 plus percent of them was, had something to do with, man, I felt so welcomed. And so people were just so friendly and kind. So it does work. It does work. So first impressions, we have event planning and outreach ministry. Lou and some of the other gals that work with her, Amber, Debbie, Angie, and then other people step in sometimes. Uh, they, they do a tremendous job of one-anothering our community, reaching out through gifts, gift baskets, and, and cards of appreciation. So we have event planning and outreach. We have AVL and worship. Uh, guys back there, Zach has passed the AVL mantle to Dan Bowden now. So just FYI, the next time we have a, a tech glitch, uh, you can heckle Dan, not, not Zach, because he has passed the mantle to Dan. But seriously, Dan and has been involved almost from day one. I mean, just shortly after him and Corey and the kids started coming, he's been working with Zach back there. And uh, since we're going to be transitioning to this Baldwin launch, well, I'll get, which I'll get to in a minute, then Dan is, is the man. Dan's the man back there now. Uh, so, but anyway, just that whole team. Uh, and and that, that, the, the AVL team's getting bigger as well and, and because it needs to out of necessity, but, but they do an amazing job as well. And then we have Young and Free, uh, Seth and Lauren, uh, who lead our youth group, uh, and uh, they do an amazing job there. We have our safety team. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to, to Kurt Nice and, and Vince and Clayton and, and all those guys who work uh, with, uh, with him on uh, a, part of, a part of church life today that is unfortunate but necessary, having a safety team, right? I mean, that, what, did, what did Paul say in these evil days? And, and we're in. We're in evil days. But, uh, but I, I'm so thankful for our safety team. Uh, and their commitment to do what they do on Sunday mornings. Our design team leader, Lisa Wilhite, and all of you, because I know a lot of you work with Lisa, uh, and, and I tell you, they absolutely kill it every time we have a special event, Mother's Day, Father's Day, especially at the movies. 
I mean, that, that's just amazing, some of the things that, you know, that, that they're able to come up with. Uh, so we have our design team, and then we have our family kids dream team, Natalie and Jessica and all those who, who work with them in our children's ministry, which is, if it might be bigger than, for, I don't know, that team's getting bigger and bigger all the time out of necessity because we have so many, so many more kids. What, we have 81 kids and church family kids last week? My goodness. My goodness. But anyway, they do an amazing job of helping us reach the next generation for Christ. And this is huge. Here's why. Statistics tell us that 63% of individuals become a Christian between the ages of 4 and 14. All right? Now, file that away. 34% of individuals become a Christian between the ages of 15 and 29. In other words, let me do the math for you. 97% of people who become a Christian, they do so before the age of 30. 97 out of 100 people, if they're going to come to Jesus, they're going to do it before the age of 30. Isn't that amazing? So kudos to our Family Kids Dream Team as we, as we seek to reach. Because look, they, they teach your children back there. They teach them Bible lessons. They teach them about Jesus. They teach them how to worship. They don't, they don't just pop into veggie tales. I mean, they, they, if they do, they're doing it with them, you know, to teach them. I'm saying that we have a committed group, a dream team of family kids, people that, that teach your children. <clears throat> Excuse me. We also have building and grounds. Monty uh, works with that uh, group. And again, that's a pretty large group of people that kind of help with just, you know, some housekeeping, general maintenance around the building. Uh, and in addition to those, these various ministries uh, geared towards Sunday morning, uh, we also have some ministries happening other times during the week. We have our Helping Hands Food Pantry, which uh, Colleen and Ronnie head up, and we have food distributions at least a minimum of three times a month, and then sometimes more. We have Celebrate Recovery, which I referenced last week, and, and Mike and Connie uh, are, uh, are head that up, and they meet on Thursday evenings, and then we have Grief Share, which I also referenced last week, where Debbie and Mandy uh, meet, uh, lead that group that meets on Monday evenings. In other words, here, here's the thing. Family Church is in a Kairos opportunity now. We are experiencing something very, very special in this moment of time, something that, something that generations have prayed about, something that Sue and I have prayed for years would happen, and it's happening. Folks, we are a miracle in motion. We are a miracle in motion. Four years ago, our Easter attendance was in the 80s. Three years ago was COVID. Two years ago, we had 285 in three services. Last Easter, we had 465. And this Sunday, I'm believing God for over 500. I'm believing God for over 500. I am. I am. I am. Because I believe that we'll get it. Our Sunday morning attendance has more than quadrupled in the past three years. Folks, we're in a Kairos moment. We are in a Kairos moment. In fact, we're in a kind of a second, what I call a second wave of revival right now since the first of the year. Think about this. Since the first of the year, since January, we have had 100 new first-time, never-stepped-inside-this-church-before visitors in Wellville, in little old Wellville. Last Sunday, just last Sunday, we had 17 first-time visitors. That's 1% of the population of this town. Think. Yeah, and then, 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 hey, not on Easter, not on Easter, not on Mother's Day, not on, not on special, just a Sunday, just, just, just a Sunday in March. How do we do that? Because we're in a Kairos moment. I'm telling you, we're in a Kairos moment. And because of the favor of God and your generosity, 
we've been able to put together an inspiring and engaging Sunday morning worship service that, that we think unchurched people or de-churched people would like to attend because to reach those no one else is reaching, you got to do what no one else is doing. Let me say that again. I said to reach those no one else is reaching, you got to do what no one else is doing, Amen. which is great. But here, here's the thing. More people mean less space. How many of you know that? Yeah. Our dream teams know it for sure. I can tell you. I know family kids know that knows that for sure. We are painfully aware of this, this space shortage, and we have been and, and are looking at different options. One of those options is a new facility on, on the lot over here to the south. Uh, we, we hired an architect. We had some drawings made up, uh, but just being very honest with you, even though that is kind of, do, that's doable for us, uh, the, we, we would still have the parking issue. And so to be good stewards of the resources God's given us, we've hit pause on that because, again, we don't want, we're, we're questioning whether that in investment would be worth it still facing that parking problem. So, so be praying for the board, be praying for us because we, we really are trying, we want to be good stewards of what God has given us in terms of resources. And that's why it's so important. That's why it's so important that everyone take ownership of this opportunity to reach the next generation for, for Jesus Christ. We're only here for a short time. According to the Bible, that, that time lasts about as long as a, a mist, a vapor. It's here one minute and then it's gone. It's gone. See, that's why we're on a mission to launch a multi-site campus church in Baldwin sometime next fall, the Lord willing. By multi-site, let me be clear about what that is. By multi-site, we're talking about a duplication of what we're doing here in Wellsville, but at another location. So I want you to consider these statistics because these, these are kind of eye-opening. In the last five years, think about this. In the last five years, 80% of people who got saved got saved in a multi-site new church plant. Think about that. Eight out of 10 people over the last five years, eight out of 10 people who came to Jesus did so at a, at a multi-site church plant, a, a new church. New church plants grow three times faster than established churches. And parent churches that plant new churches grow on the average of 21% within three years after planting a new church. We're the planting church. Nearly half, 47% of multi-site church campuses are in a small town or rural area. So I'm going to give you five benefits that come from a multi-site campus church in a rural area. Benefit number one, multi-site, multi-site church uh, campus creates increased growth potential. Multi-site campus creates increased growth potential. 85% of multi-site church, churches report growth since launching a new campus, and the average growth for those congregations is about 28% in the first year. And I'm telling you right now, I'm going to prophesy. We're going to blow that out of the water. I just know, because I, 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 I went over to Baldwin the other day because DG, our DG was closed because they're converting it, you know, putting, you know, starting to sell produce and all that stuff. So I went over to Baldwin run a couple of errands, uh, and uh, I, was, I was in the grocery store. And when I was checking out, walking up, and it was, it was a gal that I had recognized, and I, know, I don't know that she's ever been in this church before, but I, I, it seemed like I had heard that she watched online somewhat faithfully. So I walked up, and she said, hello, pastor. In Baldwin. Starting to get settled in. I think it feels pretty good. Afterwards, I went down to Homestead Bakery to get one of those orange cinnamon rolls, right? And you Baldwinites know what I'm talking about there. But anyway, so I went down there. I walked in. Well, hello, Pastor. I didn't know him. I didn't know him. Folks, we're in a Kairos moment. We're in a Kairos moment. Multi-site 
Church campuses create increased growth potential. Number two, multi-site creates a wider reach. More campuses means a larger geographic footprint, more worship space, and more chances for new guests to visit the church building. And it doesn't, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that we need more space. Amen? Multi-site would allow us to expand our ability to reach more people of all ages. Benefit number three, multi-site campuses allows us to cast a larger vision. A multi-site allows a church to cast its vision, culture, and DNA into another community. In other words, it allows us to take what's happening here and transplant it into another community. And how many of you, do you enjoy what we do here on Sunday? Do you get something out of it? Wouldn't you want someone else to enjoy that too? Can't just hog it for ourselves, right? Well, I was thinking about it. No, 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 no. Benefit number four, multi-site provides shared resources. An advantage to multi-site campuses connected together is the ability to share and grow resources. This doesn't mean just financial resources, but, but all of it, talent, technology, uh, knowledge, all of that kind of stuff. Each location is able to support each other with a larger shared pool of assets. And then benefit number five, multi-site campuses creates more active volunteers. And this was what's interesting to me. 88% of multi-site churches see an increase in volunteers after expanding to multiple locations. See, this opens up the door for more people to use their gifts and talents for God's kingdom. Say, all right, all right, pastor, I get it. But you know, Baldwin's so close to Wellsville. Can't those people just drive over here to come to church, right? Sure. Sure, sure. And in fact, a lot of them are. A lot of them are. But understand, we're not doing we're not doing this for those from Baldwin who are already driving. Look, we know they'll drive. We're not doing it for them. We're doing it for those who won't drive. We're doing it for their neighbors. Right? See, that, that, that kind of reasoning to, to say, well, can't Baldwin people drive here? That's like saying, well, why does Baldwin need their own Casey's? Can't they come over here and get their brownie and gas? Why, why does Baldwin need their own little Dollar General? Can't they come over here and be frustrated at ours like they are? <laughs> no, no, I heard that they've up, I've heard it's really good now that they've upgraded it. So just, just a shout out there. Yes, we have people who come from Baldwin, but we're not intentionally trying to reach that area yet, and we need to be. Statistically, statistically, the most successful multi-site campuses are within 15 to 20 miles of the main location. And again, doesn't Baldwin already have churches? Of course they do. And I'm sure some of them are good churches. I, I, I know at least one of the pastors over there. But here's the deal. There's different ways to do church. There's different ways to do church. And again, to reach those no one else is reaching, you've got to do what no one else is doing. And no church in Baldwin is doing what we're doing right now. Right now. What we do know, you say, well, what are we doing? We're creating a life-giving environment. An environment where people will come and be welcomed be welcomed, you know, not, not be looked down upon, not be judged, right? We're trying to create this life-giving environment that, that, that people who maybe walked away from church or got hurt at the church maybe would give God a second chance, consider giving God a, a second chance. Again, it goes back to that. We want to be the easiest place for people to experience the love and forgiveness of Jesus. Now, there's a lot of moving pieces to this process, which is why we'll be having launch team meetings over the next few months to talk strategy about this launch. These meetings will be in Baldwin, and the next one will be, if you want to write this down, if you're interested, and again, you're not committing to anything if you come to these, but if you're interested, Sunday, April 16th at 6 p.m. at the Golf Course Clubhouse. So if you want to be a part of these meetings, uh, and also if you want to kind of be kept in the loop on this, if you will text Baldwin to this number, 785-261-0484, then, then that'll kind of put you in, in the loop, and anytime there's something coming up, then you'll be made aware of that. So 
Again, there's still a lot that we don't know, a lot of moving pieces. Uh, we're still trying to navigate this thing and figure out where, where we're going to meet and all this stuff. But here's what we do know. Here's some things that we do know. Number one, we know that the campus pastors of the Family Church in Baldwin, they're going to be the sharp, good-looking couple. She sings like an angel, and they, they have two of the cutest kids that you've, that you've ever seen. And, and, and the husband, he's a strategic thinker and an attention-to-detail doer. And, and you know what? He happens to share the last name that I have here because it's, it's our son, Zach, and daughter-in-law, Sam, and they're going to be our campus pastors in Baldwin. So let's give them a hand for being willing to do that. We also know that Danny and Ronnie Peacock are going to be heading up the Baldwin launch team. So let's give them a hand for being willing to do that. And, and here's the other thing that we know. We know that thus far, we're not only right on track, but probably even ahead of the curve in a lot of ways than most churches who are attempting to do this. <clears throat> last week, or week before last, uh, our district office offered this uh, 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 multi-site campus, kind of a small little, con it's, it's actually kind of a pilot program. Uh, Church Multiplication Network uh, is, is an organization from our denomination that, that puts on these uh, 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 conferences that talk about multi-site. And, and, and so what, what they're trying to do is they're trying to do a Reader's Digest version and offer these in our different districts. And so Kansas was kind of a pilot program. And so they invited some churches from our district. There's about 10 or 12 of us they invited uh, to be a part of this. And these are churches that either have gone to multi-site or are thinking about going to multi-site. So we got invited to, to go there. So Sue and I went and Zach and Sam went. And uh, we had Danny and Ronnie Peacock went with us. And then some of our Baldwin launch team, Michael and Cassidy Smart went with us. Sheena Stout went with us as well. So last Sunday, I was standing around after service and Lori Coughlin was standing at the Next Steps desk. So she said, so how was the conference? And I saw Sheena standing next to her. So I wanted to hear what Sheena had to say because, you know, I could get my pastoral answer, but I really wanted to know what Sheena had said. And so anyway, you know, I, from what, what I recall, she talked about how, well, um, I, 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 it seems like, you know, that we're, we're, we're doing the right things, we're right on track, you know, that, that we're, we're doing all the right things and we're kind of ahead of the curve. And also it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. And I thought that was so good because that's basically the two things I got out of it. We are on track, we're doing the right things, but, but it ain't going to be easy. It ain't going to be easy. I mean, the excitement of it right now, the buzz of it, you know, that's probably going to get us by for a while. But at some point when the rubber meets the road, you know, that, that's where we're really going to have to buckle down and hold on to that call. Because here, here's the thing, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be hard. Probably even, the guy that spoke at the, probably the hardest thing you've ever done. I didn't want to hear that. But he said, it's worth it. It is so worth it. It is so worth it. As far as dollar amount, it's probably going to be a little over 100K, which if you do the research, that's very low for a church launch. As far as what this covers, we don't have an itemized list yet, but we've got to find a place to meet. You know, again, if we're going to duplicate what we do here, we're talking about a coffee bar, we're talking about kids' supplies for, for family kids, for nursery, signs, all this stuff, all of this stuff is, is what we're going to have to purchase. And I will tell you this, though, we won't be doing a capital campaign, okay? We won't be doing it. Some of you are like, Phew. no, 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 no. Our hope, our hope is that as you catch the vision, as you catch the vision, that many of you will be prompted to give and, and sow into this, this church plant. But even beyond that, we believe that an important part of our worship of God is through our giving and our tithing. And I will tell you this, the bottom line is this, if everyone did what just God asked of you, just the minimum, 10%, I'm telling you, we'd be golden. We would. We wouldn't have any problems at all. 
So you just pray about that, okay? Invite God into that conversation. One of the sacrifices that we're asking you to pray about is for some of our Wellsville folks to commit to anywhere from three to six months when we launch over there to kind of help get the church up and going. One thing we're asking 100% participation in is prayer. We want everyone to be praying with us, and there will be strategic prayer meetings designed for this, particular, for this specific purpose. So I want to conclude by circling back around to your individual vision because we're in this Kairos moment, uh, this window of opportunity together, and we need to, in the words of the Apostle Paul, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days not acting thoughtlessly, but understanding what the Lord wants you to do. So three questions I want to leave you with, and I want you to drill down on these this coming week. Number one, are you taking the mission and vision of Family Church personally? Are you taking the vision and mission of Family Church personally? Second, are you are you the easiest place for your family, your neighbors, and your friends to experience the love and forgiveness of Jesus? And then three, are you taking your next step on your faith journey? There's a story in the Old Testament about a couple of blind guys who started following Jesus around one day, and they were yelling at him, begging him to to heal them. It's found in Matthew 9, verse 27. As Jesus went out from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David, and the son of David title. Basically, they were just acknowledging that he was the Messiah. Basically, they were calling him Messiah. Have mercy on us, son of David. When he, Jesus, had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he, Jesus, asked them, do you believe I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. The past two weeks, we've been in a series titled The Counselor, where we've been looking at some compelling questions that Jesus asked. Since this is Vision Sunday, this morning's message isn't really directly tied to that series, but I want to go ahead and conclude the Vision Sunday message with another compelling question that Jesus asked that I believe is appropriate for where God is leading us as a church. And here's the question. Do you believe I can do this? Do you believe I can do this? It won't be easy, but yes, if God's called us to Baldwin, then he will provide and lead us through this. We don't have all the answers. We may not feel equipped. And yes, it's going to require some of you to make some sacrifices, maybe some of you to move out of your comfort zone, But in the end, more people will have an opportunity to know Jesus because God's going to go before us and he's going to give us the land, right? He gave the land to the Israelites, but they had to go take it. They had to go take it, which means, which means someday somebody's going to be sitting on a piece of land in a building, in a seat, hearing about Jesus because you were willing to step up to the plate and do this. Which brings us back to the question, do you believe? Do you believe I can do this? And my answer is a resounding yes. I believe this. And here's why. Because I look back over the past three years, and I see what God's done. I see what God's done just in the number of people that have come to know him, who are getting water baptized, who are getting plugged in, using their gifts and talents for God. I believe that God can do this. So what I'm asking I'm asking you to do today is join me on this vision to take a step into the promises that I believe God has for this church to continue to be a church that's not only growing but expanding in order to reach as many people as we can with the gospel of Jesus Christ because the fact is if we have no vision, we have no future.